Nate, you ready? Let's go. All right. Oh, baby, baby. Oh, baby, baby. Oh, baby, baby. How was I supposed to know that something wasn't right here? Oh, baby, baby. I shouldn't have let you go. And now you're out of sight. Show me how you want it to be Tell me baby, cause I need to know now Oh, the seven, my loneliness is killing me And I, I must confess, I still believe Dude, you were way off. <laughs> way off is in you mean like way on, dude. That was awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah, that was um how when was the last time you listened to that song, Nate? Um twenty plus years, probably. I don't even know how long it's been out, but it has to be at least that long. Well, Did it show? Just a little. Oh my god, your face is huge now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, shall we are get we into, good? Sh yeah, shall we get into the actual show for those of you who are still with us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome everyone to uh, the second episode of Defending the Natty, your uh, monthly CFF Dynasty podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Nate Marquise. <laughs> this is this is my co-host, as always, Jared Palmgren. And uh, for those of you that did not listen to our first episode, did not make it to the conclusion of our first episode. That was probably a rather startling uh, introduction, I would say, to the podcast. Yes, it was. Uh, so, but welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, a debt has finally been paid uh, from those of us here at Chasing the Natty to the team over at Burning the Red Shirt podcast. So we can finally have that monkey uh, off our back. Jared, on a on a scale of one to 10, um, I don't know, one being like Russell Crowe from Les Mis and 10 being, you know, Whitney Houston or Otis Redding, something like that. Where, where do you think we landed? I'm going to say solidly in the three to four range. Okay. Okay. I, I, you know, it's not the worst. Was it you but that also, was carrying the team? No, it was definitely you that was carrying the team for sure. <laughs> Um, also, way too harsh on Russell Crowe and Les Mis there, all right? Like, I, he's not that bad. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. Again, I, 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 I think he added a lot of character to the character with his singing style. It's not quite Broadway-style singing, but, like, I don't know. It, it, it was unique. It was a unique enough performance that I could remember it, and not entirely just in a bad way. Uh, yeah, you uh, you and Mox could probably have a deeper discussion on that. I'm not much For of sure. a, a musical guy, but I, I just assumed from the little uh, snippets I had saw uh, that he probably wasn't very good. But maybe he was, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's an acquired... It, again, it's definitely not a singing stylist for everybody. I personally liked it, because I, I loved all the Javert songs when I saw the movie. So maybe I'm nice. just weird. I don't know. Nice. Anyway, enough about musicals and songs <laughs> and everything, Nate. What are we actually going to talk about today? 
Yeah, yeah. Today, uh, today's going to be fun. So we're going to just kind of dive into um, here in a little bit a game called. I guess what are we calling this? Would you? Would you rather? Who would you rather? Or would you rather? I have it as who would you rather have? Okay, who would you rather have? Very good. Very long, so, very short, <laughs> or not very long, not not suitable to be remembered very easily at all. <laughs> right, right. But it, before we jump into that, I was going to ask you because this so the. The idea of what we're going to do tonight is basically just um, pit a a player against another player where you were looking at it from a dynasty lens, mm -hmm. uh, thinking more of like, okay, startup dynasty or even really just trade value in a dynasty and saying, who would you rather have of, of these two players or of these groups of players? And um, we're basically getting one player that is an established older veteran that has, you know, one season left essentially, or is likely to go pro after this season versus maybe a younger, more unproven uh, guy, but has multiple years. So we're trying to, trying to figure out, okay, what strategy do we prefer? Um, and, and how do we value, how do we, how do we do this, this scale of player value when it comes to CFF dynasty? I've done a, a startup dynasty with you before, obviously yes. in, in my league that a lot of us um, over at C2C are, are playing in. So I, I think I know the answer to this, but like when you do a, a dynasty startup, is your strategy more to like prefer the early on to take the guaranteed contributors and then and wait and take some shots late on some of the lesser hyped young guys and incoming freshmen or do you like to kind of load up on some of those um, younger guys first that you think are going to be maybe not contributors day one, but a couple years down the road are like big time studs in CFF and then try to kind of bargain bin shop for some of the veterans later on? What's kind of your route of going through that? So it's funny that you brought up the one dynasty league that you and I are in because one that dynasty startup we did last year, I have to admit, was probably one of my worst drafts I've ever done. It was it was rough because I thought that I was like, I guess I should start with how I normally go about it. The most valuable assets in any CFF dynasty league, especially early on in the off season is true sophomores, right? Like your, your Ashton or like last year it would have been Ashton GNT. Um, this year it's guys like Darius Taylor, Kevin Concepcion, like guys that you can get as contributors now and you know for a fact have multiple years of eligibility. So obviously like anybody else, I would be targeting those guys first because you get the best of both worlds with those guys. Right. Now yeah, guys that have shown us something as freshmen and have already kind of assumed that role and have shown us that, okay, there's there's a star in the making here. Exactly. So like like those are the guys you should go after first in any dynasty startup there. I do then like to go and grab, especially if some guys have fallen, go and grab some immediate contributors just to kind of round out a starting roster for myself. Just so I know that like I'm going to have a bunch of guys that I can pretty reliably put into my lineup each week and go from there. After that point, it really does become just kind of, it, you get into that kind of weird mix of guys where, like you said, it's, Player, younger players who you think maybe could make a step step up this next year, but also you're still maybe betting on talent, betting on system at that point. Or mm -hmm. you can go with kind of the lesser established guys, kind of that tier two, three or four guys of immediate contributors who can help you kind of round out your roster a little bit. At that point, it becomes kind of a balancing act. Last year, I did not balance it out well at all with our 
dynasty league, Nate, because yeah, I don't know that you're giving yourself. I mean, you did make the playoffs. You had a strong team. It's not like you you were running a garbage squad out there all year. I mean, That's true, good, but also have squad. you have you looked at it this year? Like I had a you're, whole you're... bunch of I had a retirement home for a team, and now I'm I'm really really <laughs> stuck this year. I'm legitimately you're, you're thinking about selling heavy my with assets. Yeah, you're definitely top heavy with the uh, with some of the the savvy vets that uh, have now decided to to move on from your squad. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Again, I, it's a little bit of adjustment because you also that that league's also a twenty four team where I've never played in a in a league with that many teams before. Right. So I thought I was kind of getting some value, like because you know guys were flying off the board so quickly. And I think I had a later round or later late first round pick as well. Like I wasn't yeah anywhere near the top. So most of the did guys take, I would was that uh, did you take a book in that draft or was it Corley? Who was the? I know you had a stud wide receiver early. Um, I believe it with was your, one of your first Ibuka, round. Which, yeah. That the, the, yeah, that's that's the only thing that sucks whenever you uh whenever you start to dig in early to those top tier guys that you think are gonna be is, is if they flop, boy, you are you are hosed because not you only are are they, in trouble. Yeah, not only do they flop for you, but that means you're probably stuck with something you didn't bargain for for um you know you don't have them usually now in buka's case he's actually coming back so um that that actually works out yeah and i'm probably gonna have to sell him here soon (laughs) (laughs) so but i i mean i agree with you obviously the the diamond is you know the the preferable thing is to have the guy that's both got the youth it's got multiple guaranteed multiple years and has already established himself like like mm-hmm. you talked about like an ashen genty right now would go you know super high in a, in a dynasty draft um once those guys are off the board i actually i usually don't go for the the more proven veteran like the the top you know if there's still like a top five running back or wide receiver and like a, dre- a redraft still around but you know is gone after this season i lots of times will kind of drop down a tier to the guy that I think could contribute in some fashion this year, maybe not be a stud, but I think has like that ceiling to be a stud on down the road. And you, you probably saw that in my draft when I took Ashton Genty and uh, like Gavin Salchuk, I took fairly early. Um, I think that a lot of people probably wouldn't have taken him as early as I did. So that's, that's kind of my, my strategy. And I actually will kind of go, um bargain bin shopping i guess you could say for some some of the veterans later on that i think could um maybe pan out as you know like a dju last year like i wasn't afraid to just like wait and then just say okay he's not going to be incredible but i think he's going to be a pretty solid contributor each week so sorry i did i I don't mean i i listened but i just found out that you can renew leagues on fan tracks oh yeah Apparently, well, how about that? I, I was I was trying to look up I was trying to look up our dynasty starter, but I couldn't find. Them. I'm like, where did all my leagues go? And I just looked in the archive. It looks like you can renew leagues now. So if you guys have not done that already, go ahead and do that. Okay. Well, and, congratulations, everybody. The uh, dynasty season is officially, actually officially kicked off on us. So that's good. We get to learn that as we are uh, actually recording right now. So that's cool. That's that's super crazy. Okay. Well then. All the more reason that, that our uh, our content tonight is going to be relevant. So uh, for those of you that are planning for uh, a CFF Dynasty startup, or if you are actually in one and you're curious about trade value on some guys, we'll we'll kind of discuss here. Uh, we've we've already kind of touched on uh, you know how this is going to play out, but basically um, we are we just want a, a a 
deeper dynasty, like a dynasty, uh, an older player. And by older player, I say he's either got one season left or somebody that is likely to graduate. We can take like um, uh, Luther Burden, you know, Ted McMillan, somebody yeah. like that that's likely to go pro after this season, I think would be an example of, of another case of a veteran, even though they've got more than one year left. And then going uh, and and pitting them against a younger guy here. Now the the fun thing that we're going to do with this is that neither Jared nor I have uh, discussed uh, or released to each other uh, who we are um, going to pit as far as these options. So who would you rather have uh, is going to be totally uh, fresh for both of us and getting just kind of uh, raw um, responses here. So. I'm com- I'm going to be completely out of my comfort zone because I'm so used to having like just a page full of notes at the start of every show. Like I say a page, multiple pages full of notes at the start of every show. But because I have no clue who you're going to throw at me, Nate, like right. I'm going to everything's going to be off the fly today. So <laughs> we're going to we're going to find out just how how deeply I know this stuff. I so I've actually done some dynasty rankings so far that I've just kind of put together just during my you know, if I get a free few minutes here and there, I'll just start updating some players or whatever. I'm I'm fairly deep at, at QB and running back. However, wide receiver, I've only gone about, I don't know, probably 40 or 50 players deep so far. Well, so that's 40 or 50 more players than I've ranked for Dynasty <laughs> Nate. I'm, I'm, I'm barely putting together my redraft rankings over here. Dude, I'm ready for the rollover. This is what I've been waiting for. So now we're now we're ready to go. Uh, okay, let's let's jump into it. Let me how about this? I'll throw out uh, the first scenario at right. you first, and then um, and I'll, I'll let you respond, and then I'll kind of give a little bit of my perspective on maybe which way I would have gone or kind of how my rankings sit as of right now. That works for me. Okay. So um, who would you rather have right here? I am going to give you the option of R.J. Harvey, running back, UCF. Okay, who... that's that's our older that's our older guy. I'm going to give you the older guy first with okay. one of these. So I'm, so RJ Harvey running back UCF uh, has this last year of eligibility left. And, or would you rather have Ishmael Mahdi, Texas state running back who has two seasons uh, of eligibility left? So both of these guys, this okay. is probably going to be the one case where nah, I got a couple cases here where both of these guys have proven something. Um, one guy is going as you saw in your in your mock draft uh, already in in dynasty or in uh, redraft uh, went round one in R.J. Harvey. I'm guessing Madi didn't go too far behind, but probably a, a round maybe two. Madi went second round, I believe. Second round, okay. So, um, but there have been some ch- there have been some changes in that uh, that Texas State backfield a little bit here. There since, sure have. That draft probably took place. So. Uh, Jared, who would you rather have, Harvey or Mahdi? So I'm trying to look up exactly who all Texas State brought in because because of that situation. I am okay. Yeah. We, oh, we got yeah, we got some pretty decent options here that they're bringing in at least for Texas State's level here. Right. I think I'm gonna leave lean towards R.J. Harvey here, not only because of the guys that um, Texas State is bringing in, but G.J. Kenny, right? Like he has another great year at Texas State. He's gone. He's going. He's going to move up after this year again. That's going to create a whole bunch of going to create a whole bunch of question marks that we just have to really kind of get used to in CFF Dynasty, especially with coaches moving around more than they have 
before. Madi seems like the perfect kind of guy that could, after two years of great, two great years at Texas State, could move up to a school like I don't know Texas Tech after they lose Taj Brooks this year, move out, move over to another one of the bigger Texas schools. A TCU comes to mind. Maybe he goes there, or just follows wherever GJ Kenny ends up going. So I don't think this is kind of where we are in CFF Dynasty, where we want to try to plan for two years of guys being in the same system, but it, just too much turmoil, especially in a situation like that. And also you add in the fact they're bringing in guys like Jalen Jenkins, who's a decent running back over at Washington State. Deion Hankins, who was the RB1 for UTEP last year. Like these are not nobodies at the position that they're bringing in here. And Monty got hurt last year after they were giving him a massive workload. So you would think that is probably an indication that, well, he's probably still the main guy may not reach the same level that he was able to last year versus I'm fairly confident I can get a one great year out of RJ Harvey here. Again, I have him in my top five RBs for this year. I'm not going to pass up that opportunity, uh, even in a great RB um, year like this. I'm going to hold on to RJ Harvey. Yeah, I and I, I think... I hope that at least with this argument that it was was it at least fairly close in your mind. Did you have to consider it, or was it just nah? I'm I'm all in. Harvey, go. Um, I would say it's probably about a seventy thirty. Okay, all right. Like it was, I, it, it wasn't super far off. Again, the upside of Amadi of having two great years is enough to for me to be to pause and say like, okay, there's a path to him being a better like. There's some scenarios where you can give out there where it's like, okay, there's no path for the younger guy to have a better year than what the older guy is going to give you in one year. But Madi right. absolutely could have a better year this year than Harvey if things go right. So yeah, yeah, I think I think there is that potential there. I think we would all agree that that in a one in a one year sample that uh, R.J. Harvey is is the one. It's it's that extra year that Madi has. I think your point of G.J. Kinney likely moving on after the season is a really, really strong argument in R.J. Harvey's favor because G.J. Kinney, if he does move on, and I agree with you, I think he could, um, I think he will, is likely going somewhere at the Power 4 level. I, I yep. think that it would be a move up. Um, and Madi, if he were to follow him, would then have to make that jump up in competition. Kinney's probably also going to be on the lookout for another running back. I mean, this is a guy that brought in two running backs Yep. Uh, this year. So um, competition is going to going to probably be a little bit stronger for him. So I think that's fair. I actually have these two right next to each other in in my dynasty rankings. That's why I kind of threw them threw them out there. They just kind of stood out and I was like, huh, if if I were presented uh, with with the two of them still on the board in a dynasty draft, I, I don't know exactly which way I'm going right now. I actually have Madi, uh one spot ahead of RJ Harvey Um but it is, it's really close. That extra year would probably push me over the edge. And the fact that, like like we said, mm-hmm. they could end up, you know, neck and neck or Madi even just slightly ahead of RJ. And if that's the case, you get that extra year. Because I think we all agree he's not going pro. No. So um, that's, I think that's that's probably what, what would lean me in, in Madi's favor at this time. But like we've talked about in the last last month's pod, man, all the G five guys that are transferring up whenever they have success at that level is it's really hard to project what they're gonna what their situation is gonna be like next year. Exactly, and a lot of times the the, the schools that they end up choosing 
don't even really make it much sense. They're like, there's no way you could have predicted that that's where they're going to end up. So, right. Yeah. All right, Nate, I have, I have, I think, actually, no, I think this might be the, the most, the most lopsided one I have, if I'm being real, but we'll get it out of the way early here. I got two quarterbacks for you. Okay. One has one year of eligibility left. The other one is not a starter this year, but is a clear backup in my opinion and is absolutely in line for a very valuable CFF job next year and potentially and potentially this year if the starter were to go down. I have the exact same scenario on my sheet. I so I'm gonna, it's going to make me laugh so hard if you come up with the exact same. <laughs> so my 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 geezer, my old guy here is Seth Hennigan, okay. quarterback out okay. of Memphis. Okay. All right, we won't have the he's, same. He's got one year of eligibility left, which I I yeah. I don't know why. I always thought perpetually Hennigan had three years of eligibility remaining, but no, he's 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 finally aging out. And then my younger QB. This is a guy that we haven't like just the entire like C to C community, the Devi community have kind of forgotten about for the most part. Walker Howard, quarterback at oh, Ole Miss, wow. former former five star. I know, right? Like everybody Man. kind of forgot about him, but like. He he's uh, just sitting there at Old Miss, ready to take over a Lane Kiffin offense, man. Like, okay, who would you rather have, Hennigan or Walker Howard? That's such a good question because the second you said Seth Hennigan, in my mind, I was already saying I'm taking the young guy because I have almost zero interest in Seth Hennigan as compared to a lot of people in the CFF industry. It appears, and especially with how kind of where he got drafted. Um, you know, nothing against um, against Luke, uh, who it sounds like really wanted him in that draft. But um, I'm not a big Seth Hennigan fan. You know my situation. I, I've, I've said it a million times. I want a QB that if, if you're not going to run, if you can't give me any rushing upside of 600 yards and six touchdowns, you better throw the ball. You better sling it 45 times a game. And I'm mm-hmm. as much as productive as Memphis is. I'm not sure that he kind of falls into that into that bag. But man, Walker Howard is also somebody that does not interest me very much because I feel like uh, Lane is just going to constantly over recruit uh, whatever is in the like whatever is is on the roster right there. So give me Seth Hennigan because I at least know what I'm going to get. And in this world of of constant transfers always happening, sure Walker Howard could transfer again. Uh, and maybe he would learn his lesson and not be uh, not be fooled into thinking that he's going to have a guaranteed job locked up. And, and maybe he goes somewhere where he can have a little bit clearer path to get that job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think given these two situations, I just don't know if I ever see Walker Howard being a consistent starter. So give me Seth Hennigan. Where are you lean? I lean towards Howard. Okay. Again, so like Seth Hennigan, you kind of undersold him a little bit because again, last year he was the QB fourteen for CFF. Yeah. Now, granted, part of that is again he started every single game. Like there, he didn't miss any games, which helps him out quite a bit there. Um, but in the year before that, he was QB thirty five. So he's been a consistent CFF option the last couple of years. Again, maybe not an every week starter two years ago, but like last year again, very very nice season from him there. I could see him kind of finishing in between those this year again, right around the QB. 24 to 30 range i think is extremely fair kind of expect again because like you said he doesn't throw it 45 times a game but they're pretty efficient in their passing game and again he's going into his what fourth year as a starter at this point it feels like so Mm -hmm. he knows the offense should be able to produce again 
Walker Howard does bring his legs to the equation here. He can run from what I've been able to see of him. And we know that Lane Kiffin is not afraid to let his QBs run. I mean, Jackson Dart ran a ton last year and ran, ran a ton mm-hmm. the year before, just didn't get the touchdowns to go with yeah. it. Right. So that interests me quite a bit. You're absolutely fair to bring up the fact that Lane Kiffin is absolutely one of those coaches that if he sees the right quarterback in the transfer portal, he'll say sayonara to Walker Howard in a heartbeat. But I also think that at least maybe, again, there's a bit more recency bias here, but like think about the transfer quarterback class this year, right? Like what were our best options that were in the portal? Dante Moore, uh, Will Howard, Gabriel. Cam Ward, like Dylan Gabriel. Well, yes, Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel actually would have been a fantastic fit. Did, did he? Malachi did, Nelson. Yeah, but like considering that he landed at Boise State, I don't think a lot of people were pursuing him that hard. Did did, yeah. did Lane go after Dylan Gabriel? Because that would have been a great fit. No, no, I, I, I think Lane knew that uh, that he had um, what's his name Dark. coming back, Dart coming back. So I, I don't think he really pursued anybody this year. But still, if you have, but again, Walker Howard now has been on the bench for two, would have been on the bench for two years now. And so like that, he's a guy that knows your system extremely well. So unless you're getting a massive, massive upgrade over him, if he seems like he's a guy that's pretty locked into at least get 50, 50 consideration for the starting job next year. Yeah. I think 50, 50 is fair. If you, if you own Seth Hennigan and you don't feel like your roster was in significant contention would you you're saying you'd be happy with um uh a trade for walker howard yeah you'd feel, you'd feel pretty good about that i would feel pretty good about that again if, okay. if i knew for yeah. a fact my roster could not compete this year absolutely i i, w- I would sell off for walker howard and heartbeat yeah okay then then yeah then then i i could see that justification i personally i would want if i was going to trade somebody like seth and again not that he's like uh you know a a championship caliber QB, but if I'm going to give up somebody, like you said, that ended up being QB 14 last year, uh, I think I would want a little bit more of a guarantee that I'm getting a guy that is going to at least contribute for me next year. I think that would be my only concern, but you're right. If he wins a job, then, uh, you know, wheels up and you're, you're feeling pretty good about that. But if he wins a job, I mean, you're still probably just looking at the QB 14. I mean, that's probably his ceiling. You're probably not wrong. Yeah. But at least you get, potentially two years there so yeah very fair um okay let's talk about our next guy here um jared who would you rather this this one's kind of in the same line as the first one that i gave you um we'll we'll get a little bit more separation here in a minute but i'm kind of working uh, at the top of my near the top of my rankings right now as i was putting this list together who would you rather have tedroy mcmillan Arizona wow. wide receiver, yeah, yeah, we're going, we're going big, we're going, going for big, it. big boys here. Yeah, so uh, technically has two years of eligibility left this year and twenty twenty five. I I think things are definitely trending to where we're probably looking at him. You know, unless Arizona finds a lot more money in their NIL program, this is it's probably going to be it for him. Uh, I can see Fafita convincing him to come back one more. Maybe, year. hey, hey, maybe that's part of the strategy of this, right? We got so many weird things to consider in CFF uh, dynasty. Your other, the, or, or would you rather would you rather have Profelli Ashlock, Arizona wide receiver who has technically, uh, I believe, three years. Last year he was a redshirt freshman, so he could yes. have three years left there at Hawaii. Who would you rather have, 
that's 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 a tough one. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, good. I was hoping this. <clears throat> I had a backup player just in case this wasn't close for you. No, no. This is again. This is a. This is a tough one because, again, I can convince myself that Tet McMillan could have two years of eligibility. And I do think that, given what we've seen out of Tet McMillan, I think he is a safer he has a safer CFF option year in and year out because of him playing with Arizona, because of him playing with Fafita. You know he's going to get peppered with targets. Ashlock, you know he's going to get peppered with targets as well. My problem with the Hawaii offense right now, and I kind of touched on this last week with um, Chris Moxley, is... Man, it feels like Brady Shager holds back that offense right now. And if he continues to be yeah. their starter, as much as I love the amount of targets that Ashlock gets, it doesn't help when he can't bring in half of them because Shager's overthrowing him by a ton and just the entire offense not really being consistent on a week-by-week basis also kind of hurt Ashlock. Because, like, what did Ashlock finish as last year? Like, he had over 100 targets, but he's still finish pretty decently far down um the rankings of wide receiver where do you where do you fall um wide receiver 54 for a guy that had over 100 targets last 100, year 121 targets i was just looking at it and wide receiver 54. so that hurts but as a freshman though as, as, a, freshman. as, a, as a retro freshman obviously it took him a little bit to get going or not a little bit to get going like obviously first year starter and everything got a little bit better as the year went on and everything like that and I know our recruiting team is pretty high on the freshman quarterback that Hawaii's bringing in this year. Wouldn't be super shocking to me if potentially we see him come in if Shager continues to sync it up over there. So that gives me a lot of hope for Ashlock there. Ted had 130 targets, by the way. Who? Uh, yeah, t- yeah, Ted had 100. Yeah, and that's why I say like he's still... like Ted is an elite wide receiver, and if you can get him for two years, it's hard to give him up. But Ashlock has the path to also be that in that elite territory and he could be around for three years because again he's a g5 wide receiver probably not going pro anytime soon but as we have to deal with in cff dynasty could go to the power five or power four next year like has another great year go goes to washington state or something like that which would still be great obviously like going to another air raid system for him would be great but it's just more it's just more uncertainty and if, if, if and, and Ted, i feel you like, know it, for I, feel a like fact I feel like you're uh you're you're going back and forth in your head you, i am I, I, you sure. are literally hearing my thoughts out loud as i'm walking through this <laughs> i'm sorry if i'm rambling and taking a lot of time here but it's a, again it's a good question <clears throat> i think i'm still going to go with tet okay even though I, again like ashlock is like again three years there i love him to death i have ashlock really high i think i have him as a top seven wide receiver for cff this year just because of the targets that he mm-hmm. gets but i mean Ted's number one right now Ted's Ted's the top guy you know yeah. for a fact Ted's not leaving arizona not without fafita and if they if they had an opportunity to leave they would have done so this year right he's gonna ride his right. career out at arizona you know exactly what he's gonna do and really that second year is just a massive bonus so i'll take ted over i think there's long. it's tough i I think there's almost zero chance that we get a second year out of him. However, if you had asked me a year ago, I would have said the same thing about Dylan Gabriel. And here we are. You yep. know, I would have said the same thing about Travion Henderson. So uh, things can change. So, yeah, I, I, think I, I think I'm with you. I think I would lean Tet. He is my, as it stands now, my number one wide receiver for CFF Dynasty. Um, he's my number one wide receiver for Redraft. 
Yep. Uh, I just, I, I like it. Um, I like that combination with him and Fafita. However, uh, Ashlock's my number three dynasty wide receiver. Uh, so he's not far behind. And I was just, I don't blame at, you at all. I probably, yeah, I just, I'm going to have him in my top five as well. I was just kind of looking at the rankings. I was like, you know what, man, uh, gun to my head. I, I'm not, I don't know which way I would go if, if, a, if a actual redraft started today or not a redraft, if an actual startup happened today, that would be a really tough decision uh, that I would have to make there. It, the uh, the backup option that I was going to have for this is since it sounds like you think maybe there's a, a small chance Tech could return. What if the option would it be much more clear for you if I said Luther Burden versus Profeli Ashlock? Yeah, I would probably say I would go with Ashlock there. I think what I about, could get. What about Missouri's NIL program? That is very true, but also Man, they, like, they got a lot of money all of a sudden. They 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 got a crap load of money. Walmart um, it, pays. But um, my thing is that, again, Burden following his recruiting, again, like you said, things change, but he's always seemed like a three-and-done a three and done yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I would bet more money on Tet returning for another year than Luther Burden returning for another year. I'm with you. Yeah, if there would have been a coaching turnover at uh, Missouri like there was at Arizona this year, there's no way Burden's sticking around like Tet did. So, we're good. I'm glad that was uh, at least a, a tough decision for you. All right, both in, both in agreement. Slight heads to Tet there. I got two guys here. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure all your feelings on these two guys. We're going to go quarterback versus quarterback again. Okay. My older guy here technically has two years of eligibility left, but my thought process is the only way he returns for another year is if he has a bad year this year, a.k.a. not a great CFF option. You're hoping he takes another step his second year as a starter. The younger guy is a true sophomore this year. Highly regarded quarterback last year. Didn't see the field. Transferred. And is now at a spot that we're not entirely sure what kind of upside he's going to bring. Moving forward. Could be excellent. Or could be a complete dud. My older guy is Garrett Nussmeyer. Quarterback at LSU. Younger guy, Malachi Nelson. Assumed mm. quarterback at Boise State. Um, this one's easier for me than the last okay. one. Malachi Nelson. Yep. I'm I feel I feel pretty confident in that. Um I I do have some concern that maybe he just isn't the quarterback that we uh, a lot of us, I think pretty much all of the everybody the recruiting, uh, the C2C, the Debbie, the CFF, the everybody involved. Two four seven um, on threes. Lincoln Riley. Um, I don't know that he's the quarterback that everybody maybe thought he was. However, I do think that there's um, – I, I think there's almost no chance he doesn't win that job, and, assuming he's healthy. And um, I just – I like that level of competition for him. I – um, I think that there's some nice weapons around him that they've they've mm-hmm. they've found to to kind of support him, and I just don't know that I just don't know that again Nussmeier same kind of situation as what we talked about with Seth Hennigan. I don't know that they're going to throw enough to basically count on him being anywhere in the ballpark of what Jaden Daniels was last year or the last two years, should we say? So I think that's I think that's my concern. Uh, 
there's just a there's just a lot of loss that's taking place there at LSU. Mm -hmm. So I I would I I probably would have them ranked pretty similar in a redraft right now. And so give me the extra years, pretty easy call for me with Malachi Nelson. No, I think that's totally fair. The only, the thing that was um the thing that kind of struck me with this is that this is kind of a risky pick versus a, a safer pick, in my opinion. I do think Nussmeyer going into redraft this year and just over the next two years is going to be a safe pick both years, right? You take Jaden Daniels last year you, and you take out his rushing completely. Let's just say like you rush for zero yards. His passing was good enough to get him QB 24 last year. So yeah. like, and that's basically what Nussmeyer is. It's Jaden Daniels without the rushing. And I would say Nussmeyer is probably overall a better passer than Jaden Daniels is. Although Daniels turned it oh. on this past year. But yeah, I, I do think Nussmeyer has as an elite arm. I, I do think he is a really, really good deep ball thrower. I think he throws well in intermediate too. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. So you're talking about a guy that you can probably get one to two years of QB, a safe QB2 option on your roster, a starting guy versus Malachi Nelson. If he shows off his legs, Boise State lets him run like Tave, like uh, like Green this past year, but also lets him pass. Um, to all those really great wide receiver options they bring bring it in. Uh, obviously, Ash and Genty breaking off a few every um, every game in the passing game wouldn't hurt as well. Like right, Nelson's yeah. probably going to perform well there, but like you said, there's also the possibility Nelson's just a complete dud, and we've seen that happen before. There's, like, there's also a possibility that Garrett Nussmeyer is kind of a dud, right? Also, possibility. Yeah. Although he's looked pretty good in a lot of the games. Like obviously the game against Wisconsin, it was rough to start, but he turned it on the second half. So I think Yeah. I, I we've think seen he'll be more. Fine. We've seen more from him. That's for sure. I think I think the there's there's a, a floor that could bottom out from Malachi that probably doesn't exist with Garrett Nussmeyer. True. Um so the safe play might be Nussmeyer. Um, but I think their I think their floors are pretty similar and I think the ceiling's higher with Malachi. So that's that's where I would go. Which which way would you lean? I think it depends on what kind of roster you have at the moment. No. Do you, oh, really so I, okay, okay. Startup. Dynasty startup. Where you Dynasty going? startup, I'll take Nelson. Um, okay. But with I, I do think it is important for people to look at like what kind of roster. Because both of these guys are not going near the top of a Dynasty startup, right? Like These are guys that are probably going to be, what, fifth, sixth round options, maybe even a little bit later than that in a Dynasty startup. Like By that point, you already kind of see where your roster's heading. Do you have a bunch of older guys? Do you have a bunch of younger guys? Do you have riskier picks? Do you have a bunch of safe picks? These are both great options, in my opinion, that you look in that range and say, like, all right, where do I start plugging the holes in my team? My guess is, is that Nelson goes at least two to three rounds ahead of Nussmeyer, because I think there's going to be some truthers out there for oh, Nelson for sure. that aren't going to let him slide nearly as far as maybe other people would. And, and his, his um, kind of ADP, especially in a dynasty draft is going to kind of stick a little bit higher than, than what you're expecting out of Nussmeyer. His ADP and redraft is going to be all over the, all over the place this yeah, year, dude. No, totally. for, first, first CFF draft, Nelson not taken in the first nine rounds. Second one, Nelson gets taken in the first round. What do you do with that? Of a redraft? Of a redraft. Wow. See, again, there's truthers. There's, there's some Nelson. real truthers out there. <laughs> Nelson so. truthers. Okay. All righty. I didn't okay. up on that one. What's your next one, Nate? All right. So I'm going to get a little bit of separation here in, okay. uh, in, in kind of redraft versus dynasty here. So 
Uh, who would you rather, Jared? Your options are your your savvy vet here is Will Howard, the quarterback at Ohio State. Okay. Who has one year remaining. We're thinking Bill O'Brien will be his offensive coordinator. We don't know that yet. He might, by the time we release this podcast, be the I offensive coordinator of Boston College. <laughs> um, or would you rather have Arch Manning, quarterback out of Texas, who has four years of eligibility left, who currently finds himself squarely as the number two QB behind one Quinn Ewers? I am going to give you a hot take here. Okay. I'm going to take Will Howard. I know he's got one year of eligibility left, but here's the thing with Arch Manning, right? Like, one, I don't think he's as good as the recruiting services gave him. Now, again, it's nice to see that he's going to have two years to sit on the bench and develop. That's obviously going to be a good thing. But let's look at where Quinn Ewers has kind of sat the last two years for CFF. Granted, there's some injury in there as well, but also, like, this past year, he'd be 59. The year before that, where's Quinn Ewers? QB 108? Sark creates some incredible things for CFF. His quarterbacks are not typically the thing you want to look for in his offenses. It's his running backs, and every once in a while you get that great receiver like the Devontae Smiths of the world and everything like that. But his quarterbacks, pretty solidly... Mostly passers. They run a little bit. Obviously, Ewers can use his legs. I know Arch Manning can use his legs as well. But they're they're not going to be the guy that runs has the potential to run for 100 yards in a game. They're not going to run for more than 300 yards on a season for the most part, right? Like like you said, it kind of goes back to what you were talking about with CFF quarterbacks, right? Do I go with a guy who is going to be able to run for a year, or do I go with Arch Manning, who feels like is just going to be on my roster for the most part, might plug him in some good matchups here and there, but this doesn't feel quite safe on a day-to-day basis. And then there's also the rumors about like what Ohio State's going to do this year. Because if Bill O'Brien goes to Boston College, again, the rumors are that Chip Kelly is near the top of the list of people they want to get to replace Bill O'Brien. And you... Nate, tell me you wouldn't want a Will, Will Howard running a Chip Kelly offense with Carnell yeah. Tate, Emeka Egbuka to throw to, um, Brandon Innes yeah. to throw to. Like, I'll as, take as, a year of that than than four years of praying that Arch Manning can do better than most star QBs have had. And you, and you also have to factor in the fact that if you if this is a dynasty startup and you have the option of these two quarterbacks. You have to wait a full year for Arch Manning. Oh, for right? sure. That's that's a that's a minimum, barring injury. There's going to be a full year wait. Whereas you know, Will Howard is the starter um, day one. So yeah, I mean, things could change with these. These two could go in different directions depending on what happens at Ohio State with the offensive coordinator. You're right. I, I would prefer Chip Kelly over Bill O'Brien. Um, I don't hate the idea. I I think I think Will Howard is actually the right quarterback for Bill O'Brien. Uh, somebody he doesn't have to um scheme stuff up and be like super creative with i mean just take hey we got a quarterback that can get the ball pretty consistently to really really talented players okay will howard can do that very well yeah and he can also run the ball well around the goal line so great get in you know six seven rushing touchdowns as well too so i'm i'm in agreement with you uh i i was looking at these two in my dynasty rankings and they are separated by about three spots um, you know, obviously further down than some of the other quarterbacks that we've uh, discussed so far. But um, yeah, I think I would, I think I would actually lean Will Howard. I just, 
I don't like waiting a year for a quarterback. Um, I, I'll I'll find other guys that will give me that that you know that potential uh, scoring. And like you said, it's I do think that Arch Manning is more athletic than Quinn Ewers, so there is going to be some rushing upside there that maybe we're not getting out of Quinn right now. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a top. Even when he gets the job in 2025, I don't see him as a top 10, top 15, you know, borderline top 20 quarterback. Thinks what we're talking about. So yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that whatsoever. I'll, t- I'll take Will Howard, who I can see having the potential of a QB one this season because we've seen it be a QB one in another system already, and now he's got better weapons to throw to. It's it it's close for me though. It it really is. Alrighty. Got running backs for you now, Nate. I got one running back question here. I have backups for this one because I do think ha- having listened to you now, I think that this one's probably not super close. Okay. My veteran, one year of eligibility left. A system bucker, we shall say. Again, it's a pass heavy system, but he has been incredible. For Taj. their rushing, yep, Taj Brooks is my guy <laughs> here, and I'm gonna put him up against Quali Conley. Okay, former running back out of San Jose State, now at Arizona. Confirmed that, by the way, he is now at Arizona. Potentially RB one again for Brett Bennett, but compete, but competing with, but competing with Merritt, but Merritt will be gone after this year for sure, which leaves Conley right there for the taking to be RB one next year even if he misses out on it this year, but he still has the potential to be it this year. I, I hate to burst your bubble, but I'm fairly confident that this is Quali Conley's last season. He has left of eligibility. I will have to double check that. Okay. I'm fairly I, certain that he, he had three eligible, three years of eligibility last year, but I can double check that. Okay. Three years remaining. Holy crap. Well, la- last um, year, last year. So two, two years, so this two year. years. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it is that situation. Um, if it is that situation, and we're talking two years left, I think I would still prefer Taj Brooks um, because of the volume that I have seen him uh, handle, and not only not only get, but I mean, it he did not have any like there were no mentions of injury for him, lingering injuries. Like he was super durable last year the guy had i don't know how many carries it was a lot but um it had to be close to 300 and he consistently played every week so i think i would still go taj brooks just if you'd asked me this um a week ago before the um before the transfer of the the new mexico running back over there to arizona yeah before he got in there i think i it would have been a really, really tough decision. But since Merritt has gotten there now, I would lean Taj Brooks. No, fair enough. And it looks like, based on what I'm seeing here in the game log for Quali Conley, he has played three years of more than four games. So gotcha. I think that it does mean he has one year of eligibility left. Unless there's a weird COVID thing where his redshirt year was 2020. Well, actually, no. Even even then, he played five games. So, Yeah. Was your Was your backup option for Taj Brooks? Uh, no, my or backup option for... actually was for Quali Conley here. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, Abusama. Oh, okay. Now we're Abusama, talking. Abusama versus Taj Brooks. Okay. Um, that is, that's really, I'm, I'm going to have to pull up my rankings here. 
because uh, that's really close. Sorry, I am. Oh, you're good. Sama here to find out. Okay, so I oh man, you did really good. I have them separated by two spots. Wow, dang! I should have just gone up with Sama from the beginning. <laughs> but I I have I have Taj Brooks still a couple spots ahead. But man, I tell you what, you put me in a you put me in a startup right now, gun to my head. Oh, I would have a tough time taking Taj Brooks over Abu Sama just because uh, Sama does have three years remaining after this season. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we talk about systems. Uh, let's be honest. Historically, Iowa State's a much better running back system than what we have seen from, uh, you know, really any Mike Leach protege, which uh, Kitley is, you know, anybody from that tree, really. So it's it's hard to it's hard to kind of. um you know, when you take a look at systems, but um, give me Taj Brooks, but boy, it's real, it's real close. If you ask me in two months, I may have a different answer. Uh, it, it is tough because with Taj Brooks, you know, for a year, you're getting a dude with 300 carries. Like, yeah. With 300 touches, just. So that makes him e easy choice for you over Conley, right? Yes. I, I would yeah. say that again. Now, now that I know that Conley probably has a year left and yeah, duh, right. like not, without a doubt, like yeah. I, it, if there was a two year, I think it was a little bit closer. Because again, there's a possibility Conley could be a top twenty-four running back for two years in a row there, versus Brooks is we know for we can only get for one year. But Abu Sama, man, I'm back and forth on Abu Sama. I ha he's yeah. been going up and down my rankings like I already him, in the last month. Like I almost put him in one of my one of my options for you because I know that you you just uh, you're really concerned about that inconsistency you saw from him last year. And let's face it, I mean the dude was amazing against k-state but it was one game and it was a straight well, up blizzard and, and it was like just such the, a weird game well, nobody like wanted to tackle anybody his efficiency was good in other games as well it's just all of a sudden in certain games he'll have less than two yards per carry and then in the bowl game he had less than a yard per carry and i'm like yeah. granted he only had like what yeah i think he has seven chances got four yards not great obviously still but you know the volume wasn't there maybe when he gets more consistent volume we'll like him a lot more but it's close. I think I'd, I'm with you. I'd still lean Taj Brooks just a little bit because of the inconsistency. But yeah, if you hit this, on Abu Sama, it's going to be fantastic for three years. This is a great um, example of when, when I asked you earlier, you know, Seth Hennigan, would you trade him straight up for Walker Howard if you weren't competing for a title that season? This is a this is a good one right here because you you don't know exactly what you're going to get with Abu Sama, but you get a pretty good idea that you're getting the starter there at Iowa State, which mm -hmm. historically has been good, but for the last few years has not been so good. It's kind of similar. It kind of reminds me of Utah. Like Utah, yep. historically, we want that Andy Ludwig running back, but for some reason, the last the last couple of years has been kind of a mess. So, yeah, that would be a really that'd be a really interesting trade deal that I I could see benefiting both sides depending on what your needs are all righty i'm ready for your next question nate okay jared would you rather have kentrell bullock the south alabama running back who technically has two years of eligibility left okay um he's been around forever uh but because he redshirted outside of the 2020 season he technically has two years of eligibility left but in this scenario we'll call him the veteran because your other option is cam selden the running back for tennessee who has four years of eligibility left because they did 
maintain the red shirt for him last year by playing four games plus the bowl game? Who would you rather have, Jared? Kentrell Bullock. Okay. Was it was it not close? Because I got a backup I, here. I, I, I don't want to say it's not close, but again, okay. Dylan Sampson scares the crap out of me with Tennessee. And the fact that Josh Heupel loves to run that two-back system there. And not that they can't be productive. Like, again, right. Jalen Wright was kind of surprisingly pretty productive for Tennessee last year at times. But again, because it's a two-back system, it's not really an every-week option versus Kentrell Bullock. If he gets that LaDamian Webb workload, mm-hmm. for, especially, like you said, for two years, and he doesn't go pro after this year or tries to transfer back up to the Power Four or anything like that, I'll take that, man, rather than Cameron Selden, who... Again, the athleticism is off the charts, right? We love what we saw right. in the spring game. He's being compared to like a Derrick Henry, um, Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson, like a <laughs> Campus of Canton athletic tool, which you absolutely go check, should go check out. It's a ton of fun to see what some of your favorite players are compared to. But yeah, no, like I, I, I will say it's not close. I would, I would much rather have Bullock. Okay, um, I'll give you the backup here in just a second. Let me, let me touch base on this one real quick. I'm with you. Um, I think from a talent standpoint, Selden is in, incredible. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. That Dylan Sampson thing, I think is real. Like we saw that in the bowl oh, yeah. game. Like the, the guy's good. He's he's actually he's actually really good. Nobody wanted to admit that last year. Um because everybody's a Cam Selden fan because they see the the measurables, the traits and all that. Turns out Dylan Dylan Sampson's actually really good. Uh Selden would need injury this season in order for him to you know, kind of take that RB1 mantle. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kentrell Bullock, I, I think the opportunity is certainly there. The ceiling probably isn't as high if if he, you know, seldom were to be the RB1, though. Um, gotcha. We just can't count on that. Okay, here's your here's your backup option. Kentrell right. Bullock, instead of Cam Selden, would you rather have Ricky Hunt running back at Ohio who has four years of eligibility remaining? That reminds me, I need to add Ricky Hunt to my redraft rankings. Um, and Ricky Hunt, because he Ricky was a true freshman or a redshirt freshman last year. True freshman. True freshman last year. Only play. He only the he weird only thing is one I, or two games, right? He played in. I think he got like snaps, like two snaps in one random regular season game, and then played the entire bowl game because everybody else left. Everybody else left, and he was literally all they had. Right. Which probably means going into next year, he is once again all they have and it's beautiful because they play a mat competition and they did get a transfer in um from northwestern anthony tyus i think was is is that his name oh i did not know that he transferred to ohio that's good to know Mm -hmm. that that's also interesting but i mean after what you saw ricky hunt do in the bowl game like right you would expect them to Rely on him. Tyus is an older dude so even if he's around for one year he probably i could see him being like the oshan allison Ricky Hunt's say Bangura next year, which obviously, if you compare that to this year, that's not great, but years <laughs> past, uh, it's beautiful. Um, and then again, versus Kentrell Bullock, I think I'm gonna still lean towards Bullock. Yeah, it's close though, right? It, it, it's much closer, I would say. I would lean towards yeah. Bullock because again, Ricky Hunt, like that, that flash was a real bright flash. Let me tell you that, yeah. like, no doubt about it. But like you said, Hunt, true freshman, he could transfer out after this year if he had a really good year, go up to the Power 4 level. Who knows what happens at that point? Versus Kentrell Bullock, he's already been at the Power 4 level, coming down to South Alabama, right? 
it's rare we really see guys go down to the G5 and bounce back up to the Power 4 on a pretty consistent basis. So I would think that he stays down there at South Alabama. I, I, I just got this. Hello. Yeah, I got this. I got this galaxy. Since you mentioned that, I had this this galaxy brain thought in my head. Okay, um, this is this is something I think Andy, Andrew Katz will enjoy. So let's let's say for sake of argument that um, that Ricky Hunt has a really nice year. You know, kind of like Say Bangara had yeah. uh, you know a year ago uh, before this past season blows up. Ricky Hunt is from Millwood, which is uh, a school in Oklahoma City. Let's say Ollie Gordon has a really nice year, moves on, tests the NFL waters, and he, Ricky Hunt, decides to move back near home and becomes Mike Gundy's next running back <laughs> next year. So the 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 P four move takes place, but then you're like, whoa! But yeah. I also have Ollie Gordon's uh, successor here. Yeah, but then there's also <laughs> the possibility of Ricky Hunt being like, all right, yeah, let's move up, and then he goes to Michigan State or sure, something like yeah. that, and and, and like, or or Minnesota, like exactly, like like saving <laughs> exactly, like it's a the real backup. roll of the dice. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But yeah, that's well, a glad that, fun, glad that's that a fun idea. I like that. <laughs> all righty i got some wide receivers for you here nate and again i got okay. got a got a backup option on the same team here for the young guy okay um but older guy one year of eligibility left an offense that took off in year one under their new coach over 100 targets this past year looking like he's going to get over 100 targets again this year sean adkins wide receiver out of south florida okay versus our younger guy here played in only four games last year they stopped him at one point, redshirted him. But despite the fact that he only played in four games, was out among the backups for his team, most in yards per route run, most in yards per play by a good, or uh, not yards per play, yards per reception by a good long shot. He, he averaged almost 27 yards per reception last year. Granted, unsustainable, but still a sign of the explosiveness to come. And has one of the best systems out there for wide receivers coming to his new or to his school. I'm talking about Jalen Hale, the wide receiver at Alabama. Mm, True okay. sophomore or uh, redshirt freshman actually this year. Right. So he's yeah, got yeah, four they... years of eligibility <clears throat> okay. in a Kalen DeBoer system. Or yeah. we got Taj Brooks who's sitting there with Alex Golish. Yeah, boy, that's a good one. Okay. So I, I do think. I do think Sean Atkins, this is his last year. Um, I was kind of fuzzy on that at first, but I think you're right. I think this is his last year. Boy, 120 targets is what he had last year. In the South, I mean, you talk about a good offense. Kalen DeBoer, sure, but, oh, buddy. Um, oh, yeah. Alex Golish has got it going on there. South Florida, um, he knows he's got a quarterback that can get him a ball. Um, I. It's not like... We're not miles apart here, but it's also not super close for me. I think I'm going to lean Sean Atkins okay. in this case. Um, you know, the 120 targets uh, from CFB Winning Edge is just staring me in the face right now, and I can't, I can't ignore that. Uh, and while I do, I do like um, the fit of Hale in that system. I know that it's a new coaching staff, and they have no obligation to play him. They're just going to play the best players they see fit. 
Uh, there's always a chance he could get out recruited there. Uh, I know Sean Atkins is going to be the wide receiver one for um, the USF Bulls next year. So give me give me Sean Atkins. Um, I'm probably going a lot with some of the older guys here today, but I think I would just if if I had seen a little bit more out of Hale, then maybe I would go that direction. But in this case, I think I'm still going to lean Atkins. All right, I'm going to throw my backup for Hale in here. Okay, Jeremy Bernard. Mm, mm, instead mm. of Jalen Hale versus Sean Atkins. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to go Jeremy Bernard. Okay. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, because he fits exactly what I just told you that if I had seen a little bit more out of him now, we, the deal is, is that if here's the problem with Jeremy Bernard is that if he matches Sean Atkins output for this year, like if they become a one-to-one type mm-hmm. deal, like production this year, do we see any more Jeremy Bernard? Good question. Or is he gone to the pro? Now he's at least got the option. So I'm I'm probably still gonna lean Jeremy Bernard, but chances are Sean Atkins still outproduces him this year. Yeah. And Sean Atkins will go ahead of Bernard in redrafts. Uh, but I think I like I think I'll probably roll the dice that I get two years out of Bernard and one of them is on that Sean Atkins face. Cause I think what we saw from Sean Atkins this year is his ceiling. I it's- don't know that he goes more than a thousand and seven to eight touchdowns. Like he's just, he's a slot guy. That's just going to kind of get peppered with targets. You yeah, absolutely. I think, I think a good backup option. You gave me there. I like that. Yeah, I get it. Cause I, I I was debating for a long time. Like, like, do I give him Bernard? Do I give him Hale? I actually think I'm going to take both Hale and Bernard. I'm a big believer in Hale. I Mm, liked him a lot coming out of high school. I think that both Bernard and Hale, could very well be that Jalen Polk, Roma Dunze combo for Alabama this year, right? Because, like, who else do they have? Kendrick Law, Kobe Prentice. Kobe Prentice is legit. I think that he'll he'll get plenty of work there as well. But he'll be there. The Ryan Williams hype? Not quite yet. Not yet, okay. Not quite yet. I, I, again, I know, like... I'm still not. I'm still not entirely aboard the Jeremiah Smith hype train yet with Ohio State. Again, I, he's, he's incredible, but... I think it's, people are asking a lot for him to jump over Carnell Tate or or Brandon Innes in his yeah. true freshman year. Again, Brandon Innes is a guy that I do like, and maybe we'll talk about him here in a second. Um, but I, again, I I know these freshmen are fantastic. They're very talented. I think they're going to go with the guys they have there first. Now, maybe that's how they're able to re-sign Ryan Williams is basically promising him playing time as a freshman. Very well a possibility there, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm I'm not I, I'd be talking out of my ass if I told you anything about Ryan Williams because I have yet to watch a single uh bit of his tape. However, people that I trust seem to be very, very high on him. For sure. Um I can't imagine that he is there for the spring though, because he no. is reclassifying. He's reclassifying, he waited until now, national signing day to commit. Right. He's I'll not say going that. to spring. I will say that, but um, Oklahoma did sign um, a tight end that reclassified this year, and he will be there for the spring. But he did sign in the early period. But yeah, I um, think you have to sign in the early in order to to go to spring. No, not necessarily. Um, really? Yeah, you can you can just players can just show up um, as long as they're enrolled. They can sign later their national gotcha. uh, letter of intent. But um, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good good fun scenario i bet a lot of uh 
I bet a lot of C2C people would definitely take Ryan Williams over Sean Atkins. <laughs> oh, for I bet I bet they would too. And I'm I'm not quite there in a, in a startup. Right. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I guess the the multiple years and everything. It it it, it, it I think that'd be closer in my mind than I'm giving it credit for. Maybe I don't yeah. know. All right, Nate. Your last question, man. All right, let's go. Okay, so this one, this one, I decided to throw a little bit of a curveball at you here because I'm okay. doing a two, I'm doing a two for two on you. Two okay? for two instead of one for one. Yeah, it's like like I said, this is uh, in a this is a you know if you're given a, a draft or trade scenario here. Um, okay. Who would you rather have? The combination of Noah Smith, the wide receiver at Sam Houston State, who is okay. in his last year of eligibility, plus. Joey Aguilar at App State, who is in his last year of eligibility. Oh, that's good to know. Versus a couple of very, very raw, unproven, but I think what most people would consider as high upside guys. Combination of Caleb Jackson, the running back out of LSU, who was a true freshman last year. And his running mate in this scenario, Bert Emanuel, the quarterback at Central Michigan. So two uh, proven two proven guys versus two relatively unproven. I mean, Bert Emanuel's shown us obviously some things. Oh, for um, sure. But surprisingly kind of lost his job last year. Um, where are you leaning on this combination? Noah Smith, Joe Aguilar, Caleb Jackson, and Bert Emanuel. I would still lean towards Aguilar and Noah Smith, I think. Okay. Because, again, I like Caleb Jackson. I don't mind having him on my team. Bert Emanuel, it feels too up and down. In in a best ball scenario, I probably would take the Bert Emanuel and the Caleb Jackson side there. Um, Yeah, that would be fun, right? Yeah, exactly. In a best ball, those two would be great, but... I think if I'm just trying to compete, grab, getting some guys that are going to help me this year, I mean, obviously you got to go Noah Smith and Joey Aguilar. And I trust myself to find some younger guys either on the waiver wire during the season or just in other parts of the draft. Because like Noah Smith, right, Because and Joey Aguilar, because of only one year of eligibility left, they're already both going pretty late in redraft leagues. I would imagine they're pushed down even further in dynasty leagues. So... If I'm in a draft where I've gotten some young guys pretty early on, like Noah Smith, Joey Aguilar, those are no-brainers to me versus Caleb Jackson and Bert Emanuel, right? If I started off with a bunch of old guys, like I got another retirement home team, I wouldn't necessarily feel great about picking up Caleb Jackson and Bert Emanuel and being like, this is my future right here. These are my upside guys for the future versus Noah Smith, Joey Aguilar. I'd be like, okay, I got I got my uh, foundation for this year, and then I got my future already. So that's that's where I lean on those two. I think I'm the opposite of you. I think okay. I'm willing. I think I'm willing to take um, that that YOLO opportunity with the other two. Um, something something about Bert Emanuel. Maybe it's his name is Bert. I think Bert. it's just pretty much the coolest thing ever. But the home run potential of that guy just always intrigues me. Jace Bauer being gone there, True. Um, you know, being being just kind of guaranteed to at least be the starter, we think. Do you have any concerns with Noah Smith and Jace Bauer taking over? I mean, as quarter as quarterback, it's kind of weird how these these two. I didn't even plan on this, but 
one leaving helps or hurts the other. It's kind of weird how this scenario worked out. Brother in Christ, Noah Smith was able to be as productive as he was with Shoemaker at quarterback. Right. I think I think I think he'll be just fine with Jace Bauer. What if what if I told you that Shoemaker's um completion percentage was actually seven percent higher than Jace Bauer? That doesn't surprise I'm, me at all. Not but, that not that, that but, means that's the end all be all, but but let, Jace Bauer kind of sucks as a passer, right? He does suck a lot as a passer, <laughs> but I mean, Shoemaker wasn't exactly great either. I would be curious to know what their A dots were, right? Uh, again, a little a little shout out here to CFB Winning Edge because I've got I've got the database up right here in front Heck of me. Yeah, but, you got their A dots. Uh, yeah, I got the A dots. Uh, Shoemaker seven point six okay. and uh, Jace Bauer eight point nine. So fair fair argument in your point. Obviously, Jace Bauer was uh, willing to try to at least throw it downfield every once in a while. Yeah, versus Shoemaker is just pepper targets to Noah Smith in the slot over and over and over again. Man, Noah Smith was so good in the He's second half of the season last year. Amazing. I don't know why it took him so long to figure out, hey, let's just throw it to the best guy on our team and see what he can do. For me, my my argument here is that I am not huge on Joey Aguilar. He's like Mr. Steady Eddie consistent, right? I mean, he's... he's QB 13 last year. Right. He, but I, I think that is more of a product of the dude just like always played and never missed any games. Like once he started, he started like week two or three or whatever. But um, I just, I would prefer that upside. Um, I feel like he's not, he's not a league winner. Whereas I think the other two give me at least an opportunity to be a league winner. Um, LSU, there, there's obviously a ton of question marks about mm-hmm. Caleb Jackson, but at least that backfield cleared out a little bit right yeah. i mean there's there's a good opportunity for him to assume the brian kelly rb1 role but man the, the, the idea of no one's noah smith on my team is is very intriguing i would lean the other two though all righty i got Your one last one. Oh, yeah. last one nate old guy definitely gone after this year quite frankly should have been gone this year i don't know how they're <laughs> able to convince him to come back this year dju Mecca Egbuka. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Mecca Egbuka. Okay. Versus the youngin. Probably I don't know if they're roommates, but Brandon Innes. Egbuka. You're gonna go Egbuka? Yeah, I'm gonna go Egbuka. Um I am curious where I have these two in my rankings, but I but I think I'm not willing to just sell everything off. I think when it comes to Egbuka, there's a reason he came back. Um, I think he wants to show that he is that wide receiver one for the, in that Ryan Day offense. Um, I don't think Ennis is going to be that wide receiver one this year. I don't think he's going to be that wide receiver two. Um, and they just constantly recruit at a ridiculously high level there when it comes to wide receivers. So, um, and now they're even starting to dabble in the portal a little bit, obviously with Judkins and, and some mm-hmm. other guys. So, um, give me the sure shot this season. And I just haven't seen enough from Ennis is despite how much I liked his tape coming out in high school. Cause I did, I thought he was potentially the wide receiver one in the entire class. Um, I need to see a little bit more. So give me a Buka. The, I like the idea of Ennis because I do think he'll be one of the three starters for Ohio State this year. I do too. I do too. And like it'll be it'll be him, Tate, and Egbuka. And we've seen Ohio State produce 
three wide receivers in a single season before with Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba all finishing in the top 25 wide receivers. And I think it was 2021, I believe it was. Um, So again, they're able to do it, especially when Ryan Day does not have these guys constantly shifting out. We're hoping for improved quarterback play this year so we don't have just one Ohio State wide receiver. We could potentially have two, maybe even three there once again. I agree with you that Ennis, probably best case scenario is wide receiver three for Ohio State, but that can be productive. But then there's that next year, right? The next year goes out there. Him and Tate are the main two guys. We'll see what happens with Jeremiah Smith and um, uh, Graham, the other five-star wide receiver they're bringing in this year. Who knows what happens? But even even if Jeremiah Smith overtakes Ennis, right, I could see Ennis as the kind of guy that transfers somewhere else and could easily become an alpha wide receiver at a different team the very next year. Yeah. Find himself no, in the I, right situation. Like, I don't know. Like, you go from Ohio State. No, Noah Rogers. Noah Rogers. Exactly. Like, it goes. Ohio State to NC State. You know, I mean, I, I think he's got a chance to be pretty solid there. Exactly. So, I like the path that Ennis could be on there. Versus Egbuka, I know for a fact he's gone after this year. Right, like yep. I, I like I said, I think he should have been gone this year. I think he, I, I don't know how they convinced him to come back. Like, but like <laughs> I said, Nate is probably to do with him wanting to be that number one guy. Also, probably just to show that he can have a full season of health because like Ibuka right. has been banged up the last few years quite a bit. But yeah. I, I think I, I'm still going to lean towards Ennis. But here's the thing: I don't know if I would trade Ibuka for Ennis straight up. Yeah. That's that's the kind of the thing that's holding me back. Like if I'm holding on to Egbuka, would I trade him for Ennis? And I don't think I'm quite there yet. So are you saying that there's a scenario in which you wouldn't you would go one way in a trade, but you would go the other way if it were a dynasty startup? See, that's where my head was at, <laughs> but I didn't want to say it out loud because that makes like, no sense. Austin Austin says that all the time on um, Campus Life, where he's like, "Well, if this were a startup, this is what I do, and if this if this were um, you know a supplemental, then this is what I do." I'm like, "Really? I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. Like, what's the? I, I don't know the difference, but um, but yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there maybe there is a situation, and obviously it's." also roster dependent when we're talking about oh for sure cff dynasty if it's not a startup then depends on if you're going uh for future or past i will say that i do think that some of the it's hard to compare ohio state's pass game today to where it was four years ago for sure mainly mainly because ohio state sucked on defense four years ago right that alex grinch is their defensive coordinator for a time being oh and God, they've gotten about that they have gotten good on defense the last two years or like the, the last year. They made a huge change when they when they added Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. Oh yeah. Um, so they they just threw the ball all over the field. Um, back then when Ryan Day first took over because they were so depleted on defense. Now they're good on defense and they get all those starters out by midway through the third quarter, and it's. 37 degrees in Madison, Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. nobody like, you know, it's just things get shut down a little bit quicker um, than maybe they used to. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably take the the guy that's um, that's the the guaranteed wide receiver, not either one or two there now. So, OK, real quick, we got do we have a few minutes left? Yeah, we got a few minutes. 
Okay, let's do. I'm, I got a few more. I'm gonna do rapid fire with rapid you fire. Here. Okay, I like yeah. it. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Ra rapid fire. These were these were some of my kind of backups, just in case we ended up kind of naming the same players here. Sounds good. Um, okay, this is uh, all three of these guys were mentioned on my spring stock up report. So this okay. is kind of like a, a special for any guys that haven't. Uh, you know, I'm gonna plug my my article that I oh just please do last week. Yeah. So any guys, anybody that hasn't read the. Uh, preseason uh their pre-spring stock up report uh that i released for uh cff uh, on campus again go check it out so three guys on there uh running back out of memphis mario anderson okay transferred in from south carolina or running back i'm gonna give you kind of a three-way here both these guys are the older guys but i shouldn't say i'm gonna give you a three-way on the podcast <laughs> i'm gonna give you three options to choose from jared the first two are the older ones, and the, the third one is the young guy. So, okay, Chip Trayonum, who okay. is at Kentucky. Both of those guys have one year remaining. Or gotcha. your young guy here is George Petaway, who has three years remaining, who transferred from North Carolina to James Madison. Which one do you like? You're talking on my heartstrings. You know I like Petaway. <laughs> um, I still think I'm going to go with Trayonum. Okay. I think that he... He fits really nicely into uh, Kentucky's system. They've got going over the last couple of years. We know for a fact that they can produce running backs for CFF at a pretty elite level. We don't know how James Madison and that system that Chesney's bringing over will fully translate yet. Petaway, I do like quite a bit, but he is kind of on the smaller side, not really truly built to have a workhorse role. And they also bring in somebody else uh, from uh, to James Madison, if I remember correctly, off the top. Of my, I can't remember who it is. Yeah, they're they're bringing in um, Ado Eddie or whatever. Yes, I from North name. Texas. The guy from North Texas. Yeah. So a bit more experience there as well. Yeah, I think that that that'll play a part in there. So possibly waiting a year for Petaway. That's why I'm going to hold off on him. And then Mario Anderson, I like him at Memphis, but um, comparing him and Trayonum, I think I like Trayonum as a fit better. Did. Now, I know Mario Anderson got taken in the uh, way too early mock draft. Did Trayonum go in that draft? He did not, and he is did still not. on the board in the second draft as well. I'm not going to lie. As, is, I'm, I'm glad we're recording this a week ahead of time so I can say this without fear of him, people taking him because I said it on the podcast, but I'm absolutely looking at him as my next pick. Uh, did Mario Anderson did he go in, did Mario Anderson go in the second draft? Uh, let me look. I don't remember. I do not. Yes, he did. He went at 710. Okay. So in a redraft, it's probably Anderson, Trayonum, Petaway. Probably. Things, things are much different. In Just Dynasty. because of okay. the massive upside that Memphis's running back situation puts out. Okay, here's your next rapid fire. Okay. Uh, this, is a, this is a teammate duo here. Your old guy. Would you rather have Kyle Williams, wide receiver, Washington State, who has one year remaining? Or would you rather have the young guy, Chris Hernandez, Washington State, wide receiver, who has three years remaining? Carlos Hernandez pretty easily. Again, I like I, I like Kyle Williams more for redraft this year because again we've seen him perform well already for Washington State versus Carlos Hernandez. I'm a little worried about um, them bringing in Chris Hudson from Oregon this right. year, but I like Carlos Hernandez will be the starting slot there at one point in his career, and that's still more valuable than one year of an outside guy like Kyle Williams as much as great as Kyle Williams has been for. The Cougar so far. I'm still going to hold on to Hernandez. Okay. All right. We're going to get weird with these last two quick fires here. Fine, fine, fine. Jalen Royals, 
See, I picked this guy because I know you love him. Uh, Jalen Roy, yeah, and you should. He's good. Jalen Royals, Utah State wide receiver, has one year remaining. Or a guy that you maybe don't like, Dylan Rayola, who committed to Nebraska after being committed to Georgia, after being committed to Ohio State, after you know, four years of three to four years of Rayola, or one year of Jalen Royals. Royals. And it's not, it's nothing to do with my biases against Royal or anything go, like go that. Go dogs, say Royals, go dogs. Royals, go dogs. Um, <laughs> no, but like with Raiola, it, it Raiola's I think going to follow a similar career like Quinn Ewers and like Archmanning, right? Yes. Where like it's going to be a scenario where massively talented, probably going to help Nebraska out a ton. The system's not there. His play yeah. style is not one where he's going to be running all over the field for them. I just don't see a path to major CFF upside versus Royals. I'm probably going to get a one elite year out of him, and then I will go find somebody else. There there are rumors of uh, Dana Holgerson potentially going to get hired on the staff in Nebraska. That would be absolutely nuts. <laughs> that would about change a, a lot. You talk about a conflict in um, offensive uh, philosophies. Dylan uh, or um, Dana Holgerson joining that group. That would be hilarious. Um, okay, last one. I think I know your answer in this, just based off everything we've we've talked about so far. Evan Stewart, wide receiver for Oregon now who technically has two years left but I think we can all agree this is it for him yeah this is um, this is it I ha- I had him down as a this is it yep versus your choice Jeremiah Smith or Ryan Williams the Ooh. two true freshmen one year of Evan Stewart or Jeremiah Smith or Ryan Williams I thought this would be easier for you, get, no, just based off I, some of the some of the talk we had earlier. No, this is tough for me because I, 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 I'm not an idiot. I love Jeremiah Smith, and I do think he's going to be incredible for Ohio State at one point. It's just, do I bet on him getting one of those starting roles at Ohio State by year two, potentially? Or do I just go ahead and take the safe, probably elite wide receiver option at Oregon for a year now? I think I'm going I'm I'm going to go with Jeremiah Smith because mm-hmm. there's that possibility of again if, if the people the fanboys are right and he is a starter year 1 and potentially can get that outside role for Ohio State almost immediately. Yeah. That's going to be worth more than anything anybody could give me in year 1. Yeah, you you're, you're betting on the Marvin Harrison two plus years of incredible upside exactly. versus one year of Evan Stewart going into a new system, albeit a very good one with a good quarterback, but um n- not everything's you know set in stone there. So All right, Nate, I'm going to throw together some rapid fires for you cuz I just feel like <laughs> keeping this going longer. Uh these might be easy, these might be bad, I don't know. Um we'll go a little over here. Uh Jacques Petaway, the um Oklahoma wide receiver there as the mm-hmm. young guy or Barry and Brown at Kentucky. Oh gosh. Um, that's good because I'm not a huge Barry and Brown fan. Uh, I don't like what Kentucky's got going on. We still got to figure out who the heck Kentucky's offensive coordinator is going to be. Cause that is true. Uh, Liam Cohen uh, moved on. Uh, I saw that offense with Liam Cohen or I saw that Kentucky offense without Liam Cohen 
um i don't want any part of it um from a passing standpoint so give me jacques petaway even though i think that there's a chance if you own his shares right now you might have to wait a year then bringing in okay. um then bringing in denzel burke uh from purdue could maybe throw a wrench in the plans of him taking off this year like we'd hoped all righty um ethan vasco true hmm. freshman quarterback at coastal carolina this past year I often forget about Vasco. Or Kyron Drones. Oh, uh, give me Kyron Drones. He's got two years left. Does he have two years? I thought this he's was got, last year. That's my bad. No, he's got two years left, and I can't imagine uh, he's going pro despite how freaky athletic he can be <laughs> at times. <laughs> no, totally <laughs> fair. Yeah. Um, last one here. Okay. Devin McEwen at UTSA. Yeah. Or Stephen McBride at Hawaii. Ooh. Um, McBride has one year's of eligibility left McEwen is a uh, true sophomore I think I'm going to go Stephen McBride I'm going to I'm going to give Nick Ian Allen one more shout out here because I'm just going to double check that Hawaii he had 99 uh, targets last year in the regular season that's a lot of targets that's a lot of Um, targets give me let's see here but also McEwen, the UTSA top wide receiver, is pretty good for over 100 targets as well. Yeah, but I don't think he's their top wide receiver, not with Clark coming back. And who knows? I, again, I can't project that far in advance. Yeah, give me, give me, um, give me Stephen McBride for for one roll of the dice here. Alrighty, that's, that's a good option though. I like it. Uh, can I fit? Can I fit in one more running back one here? No, I think we're good. I don't really have. Or <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. No, I never mind. Never mind. I, 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 I was, I was thinking. I'm like, maybe, maybe. We'll save it for next time. Next time. This was fun, Nate. Yeah. I, I, Nate, you came up with this topic, and this, this was an absolute ton of fun to talk about. So, I hope, well I hope done. Hope everybody to you, sir. enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed it. So, you want to close this up? No, you close this up. That's your thing. You're, you're much better at that than okay, I. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> all right, guys. Appreciate this. Uh, all of you guys listening in. This show has been a ton of fun so far. Again, it's nice to kind of change things up. Talk about you know projecting forward. Talking about some dynasty and everything like that. Um, again, like Nate said, startup season really isn't that far away. Like again, I usually see startups kind of starting up around like you know the April time frame and everything like that. If you're crazy, start in March. But I I usually see people wait till after the spring before uh, try to get try to get a little bit of look at some of those freshmen and everything. So maybe that's where we kind of shift our focus over the next couple of months and start talking about stuff like that. But even still, like I said, the show's a ton of fun. Really appreciate you guys listening. It's been a huge success so, so far. And if you're not already, go ahead and follow us wherever you're listening to the show. Again, we're exclusively exclusively available on the ctn podcast feed so make sure you follow it here so you can make sure you do not miss any of the shows here but if you want to check out more of us you can obviously go check out the entire chasing natty podcast feed where we are there every single monday uh during the off season tons of great topics tons of great guests uh, and also go check out the rest of the campus of canton podcast feed uh for shows pretty much ranging on anything you can think of related to the college fantasy game Devi, uh betting C2C, obviously, tons of great stuff over there. But for now, we'll see you guys next month. And looking forward to talking Dynasty again. Until then, appreciate you guys. And I hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed weekend. Weekend. Oh, my God. See, 
See, this is why I don't do the closing. All right, I went right to, right to weekend. Have Hope a, you guys have, have a great month. Have a great yeah. month. Have a great four weeks. See y'all.